0: What's up everybody? It's your boy, Dr. Schwo, Jay Schumann. It's your boy Jamal. What's up everybody? If you like my nicknames? I'm gonna make them stick. Don't know how, don't know why. But what's up everybody? Been about a week and a half since my last podcast, so it's time to hustle another one in. Uh, so this will be diary, I mean podcast number four. <laughs> so, uh, no, not really any updates. I am At like 2.18 right now Lost a couple pounds Because I'm cutting little by little right now Um, Nothing else Just fucking up like always But I wanted to try something new for today's podcast Where I'm basically just gonna tell some stories of my life It won't be about me personally, personally But it'll just be stories in general So, I had an idea a long time ago when I used to work at a corner store in the hood. And I worked there since I was a kid. And when I was like, I don't know, 19, I worked in there very seriously and kind of took over. So, I wanted to, back at then, so much crazy shit used to happen over there. I wanted to make a YouTube series called Tales from the Hood. Never came about because I just was working so much. I was working like, you know, 12 to 18 hours a day, seven days a week. I didn't have a day off for almost five years. It's pretty crazy. So let's give a whole overview really quick and then let's see if we can fit a story or two in there. So basically the story of this is... My dad was born and raised in Palestine, in Jerusalem. Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to call it, I'm not here to argue, is Jerusalem. When he was about 13, he needed to come to America to make money for the family. He's the youngest of like 13. So they all had to do it around the same time. So he, he came to... He first went to Detroit for a little bit. Until he was like 14 or 15. And then came to Liberty City, Miami. Got into a corner store with his brothers. I think they were in Overtown first. That's back in the day, in the 80s. When Overtown was the fucking jungle. The jungle. I'm talking about people were crazy back then. There were riots. Bro, people used to... Like, these white people used to come... Into the hood These rich white people to come into the hood To buy drugs And what they would do In Overtown Where they would get them To the back of the, these corner stores To quote unquote Sell them the drugs But they would just rob them And they would take off All their clothes And push them out So they'd run across Like the hood Naked basically And they do that As a way Taking off their clothes As a way So that the people Can get away And I, I guess You know It embarrasses them A little bit So Also there were a lot of riots And When there were riots They were Basically my dad and his brothers Would have to sleep in the stores Because there would be so much looting The riots back then were I think one of them if I'm not mistaken Was The cops shot Some uh, dude I forgot his name man I, I feel bad But they shot some dude It was a big big thing And It was basically like martial law in the hood where you were not allowed to pass the railroad tracks. That was your marker. They said, I'm going from what the old school would, would tell me. They used to tell me a lot of stories. The old school basically told me, if you were a young black man and you tried to cross those railroad tracks, the police will turn you around and send you back. There was curfews. There was everything. It was crazy back then. And my dad and his brothers have to sleep in the store. And there was a story one time where they tried breaking in to the store, so one of my uncles shot through the through the uh, windows. So the you know the the people get scared and they all ran off. But it became after a while of them being over there, we were like basically the first family to be have like a corner store in the hood like that. And uh, the the first quote unquote Arabs. In the hood, in Overtown, the jungle And they were raised, they they were, my dad was basically raised there And we got a lot of respect over there, because we were good people We got along with everybody, and basically, listen Palestinians are the ghetto hood rats of the Middle East So we get along, we all get together And back then in the 80s, is, was known as the money era what everybody used to do, I could say this now because my dad has been arrested for it already and convicted, and I'm pretty sure statute of limitations is long gone. So um the what they used to do was food stamps used to be in uh in like money. Now food stamps are on a debit card. But back then food stamps used to be like look like dollar bills and what you say food stamp. It basically be, let's say, $10 food stamp. I'm not sure the exact amounts, but let's say there's a $10 food stamp. You can only buy cool cuts, stuff like cool cuts, drinks, you know, rice, anything not cooked. Anything, no alcohol, no tobacco, nothing like that. So if you owned a store back then in the 80s, what they would do is. The local crackhead, not I'm um, you know, not necessarily, but uh, anybody would come in with ten dollars a food stamp, and my uncles and my dad would give you five dollars cash. So to the people, to a normal person, if you had food stamp, ten dollars in food stamp, all you can get is ten dollars worth of grocery. But if you owned a store, that was real money to you when you turned in that ten dollar food stamp. That was $10 for you guys For the people that own the store That's $10 in your bank Basically So dollar dollar for dollar we would, They would charge And it's If somebody says Here's $100 food stamp We will give you $50 cash We get $100 to our bank That's how it worked back then And They were making money I'm talking like They were like Vice City gangsters Back in the day bro Everybody Had just making money They had Everybody had garbage bags Full of money On one point My uncle told me He had a safe With a million dollars Of food stamp in it Which is crazy Cause you couldn't You can't be a Little corner store And turn in a million dollars Of food stamp Like how you making A million dollars You know You don't even have A million dollars Worth of inventory In the store How you making A million dollars So they would hold the food stamps so much And turn it in little by little Made a lot of money Now my dad was the youngest Keep in mind So the older ones Invested that money And they were making most of the money My dad was kind of like The employee in a way And He never really got into it like that But There was a point where They got raided and All of them got arrested I'm talking like one shot there was like 30 of them that got arrested and it was on the news and shit and you can still pull up the articles and find it online and they tried to charge them with money laundering no not money laundering I don't know the exact term but basically sending money to Palestine to help the terrorists that's what they were trying to charge them with because they would send money back home but that was for their family because they were making money for their family And long story short, that got dropped. And they all kind of separated into their own stores. And that's how the whole dynasty started. So everybody made their money separated. So everybody has their own stores now. Nobody's taking care of nobody. Only their own families now. My dad got married in 1991. I was born in 1992. We lived in a little apartment. And we had the store in Liberty City. So, I grew up always working in the store as a little kid. Everybody knew me as a kid. So, this was my job. I worked there every weekend, every spring break, every summer. I hated it, but I always just made money. Back then, when I was a kid, I'd make $10 a day. Then, when I got a little older, I made $20 a day. When I was in high school, they'd give me, he'd give me like 30 to 50 a day, depending But I actually worked. I wasn't... When I got to high school, like, ninth grade, I wasn't just a play-play boy. I I sat behind the cash register I worked. Then, when I got to 18, I started making $100 a day. And I was going to school and working. And I just... I hated it so much. I'm talking... This is how much I hated the store. When I was 14, I knew I had to work in the store... So I purposely went and got a job at Burger King. So I wouldn't have to work in the store. So the... the. Okay, my bad. If there's a little cut off in the middle there. I'm going to say that real quick. I drive for Uber. So anytime I get a ride, it stops recording. And then I re-record after I drop off a delivery or a person, whatever. So if there's little cuts off like that, just bear with me until I get a better job. So... <laughs> so... Where was I? Let me think fast. Let me think fast. Uh, so... I purposely got a job at Burger King so I wouldn't have to work in the store when I was 14. And the minimum wage back then was $6 and like 3 cents or 5 cents. And keep in mind I was making at, when I was 14, I'm in ninth grade, I'm making $50 a day at the store. So I could have made a lot more money. But I just hated being there, man. I just hated being there. Because you work, you work in that store. Like, you work. And especially me, me and my dad owns the store, I worked my ass off. I stood behind the counter for 10, 12 hours. I had to take care of shit, you know. I had to deal with people. And the hood's not an easy place, man. I'll get into more into that later. So I worked at Burger King. And the second I got a job there, they fell in love with me. Because I guess I'm the only 14-year-old that can not only work my ass off, but I, the first day they taught me to register not even like 10 minutes in i i picked up on the i picked up on it and they just let me start working and they gave me people were mad because i was making i had more hours than them and they've been there for years and they're like how is this guy just start here i heard them complain to the managers how is did he just start here and you gave us gave him more hours you gave him the best shifts i said the seven to three shift on the weekends and then during spring break and summertime, they'd give me 40 hours a week. I had to work Monday to Friday, 7 to 3. And to some 14-year-olds, that sounds like hell. To me, it was so easy. I worked so much already before. And I just stood there. And then I got like a little promotion, if that's what you want to call it. And I was the fucking drive-thru guy. Real quick. I'm talking about three weeks into the job, they gave me drive-thru. And back then, if you did drive through you had to be really good and on your toes... Because you had to take the orders, especially the morning shift. You had to take the orders, collect the money, make the drinks, expedite the orders... Which is putting the food in the bag, passing them out the window... Because there's only one window in the morning in Burger King. And because you're taking so many orders at one time... The register doesn't tell you how much change you get back. To give back. And to me that was easy because in the store... I never we never had a register that told you what change to give back. You have to memorize all the prices. They gave you the money, you have to give the change back. So I was just so good at that. So I was the best one there basically. And he's the guy told me, he's like, yo, stay till 18. I'm gonna give you a manager job. Here's a raise to make you see, you know, see what's coming. And I'm so excited. I'm thinking I got a raise, right? Motherfucker gave me a nickel raise. I got six ten. A nickel raise. I was there a year or so. A nickel. After that, I got another $0.10 cents raise. So I got up to six twenty. after two years. And I couldn't take it no more. I quit that job. And I went back to the store. And my dad got a right next door to the store. He made a little restaurant. And I started running the restaurant. And that shit sucked too. Because if anybody knows anything about food... Especially if you're running the damn place. It's a lot of work. So in that restaurant, I was the only employee until 6. Where I had a cashier. And I used to cook the food, take the orders, uh, and be the cashier. Then I got sick of that. So I was doing that in the store. Then I got sick of that. And at 18, 17, 18, so right when I finished school, I went to McDonald's. I got a job at McDonald's. And I didn't last... A month because it was so shitty. I just had shitty man it's just shitty management. it's not these places aren't that shitty, it's just management. and a lady told me, I worked the grill, right? And the lady told me, You are not going to become anything in life because you can't even get the grill down. Now, my first day there at McDonald's, they were so short on staff. That the guy told me, I cannot train you, figure it out, please, because it was only me and him, and he was the GM. So what did I do? My first day there, I figured out how to work the grill, drop the food, and make the sandwiches. My first day. Now, let's say it wasn't up to code, but I figured it out. And this bitch, excuse my language, this fucking old ass cunt had the audacity to tell me my first Sunday ever working there, that I'm not going to mount to nothing. And I will never forget it. Because every time I knew she was working, I had the 7 o'clock shift. The 7 o'clock shift in my McDonald's was the night crew that worked overnight goes home and we come in. It is only two employees and a manager. So if one person doesn't show up, that manager has to work their ass off. So I would purposely walk up in that bitch, 9.30, every time I knew she worked. And she'd be like, where were you? And I'd be like, I didn't feel good. Every time. And they couldn't they could fire me. And I knew they couldn't fire me because the GM liked me and he was soft. And I, like I told you, I worked in the store and I ran the store as a kid. And I know if you're soft with employees, they're going to walk all over you because it happened to me. So I knew, it was, I knew what I could do And what I couldn't do But I didn't last too long It was like a month or two And just to fuck with her I, I stopped showing up And It was really funny I stopped showing up for a week Right But I didn't feel like it no more And after that week She told everybody she fired me It was so funny So then I told one of my friends Hey Let them know I'm coming back They put me back on the schedule And I didn't show up Dick moved I'm 18, I'm sorry, I don't feel bad just fuck her, she still works there So Um After that, I went back to the store <laughs> Damn, I stressed out the story. But I just want you guys to know Tales from the hood <laughs> I went back to the store And I basically took over the store My dad went to Palestine for a few months And I just I said fuck and I took over the store Uh, started working Every day I work my ass off. Now, a quick history lesson on Liberty City. It is the ghetto of all ghettos. There are good people there, but there are the shittiest people there also. There are uneducated people. It's not, I wouldn't say it's completely their fault as much as it is their fault. It's their environment. We screwed over the ghetto. So, these people's um, ancestors, I'm talking two, three generations, four generations away for some of them. They were descendants of 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 slaves, and a lot of these people there were raised in a in a environment where it was really nasty, and there was uh there was there was it was still segregated up until very recently. Like my, the people, the guys I got along with there were old school, the old school guys. The old school basically means the older dudes. And the older dudes in their 60s and 70s used to tell me that, that they would only be white schools and black schools, white bathrooms and black bathrooms. If you wanted to get food, there was like a front and the back, how you did it. And they were, a lot of them were raised in that mentality. And uh, it's it's kind of sucky to see people like that. They don't, a lot of them don't know no better. One, one guy told me, a really wise guy, I, when I... I would try to give advice to the young kids. I said, why... I don't understand why they don't want better. And he's like, listen, man. He said... You don't know... If you want... A Rolls Royce... If you never rode in a Rolls Royce. I know it's not the best example... But it really hit home with me. Because... you don't know no better... How do you know you you want better? You know? So... Uh, a lot of these people are really bad, a lot of gangs, a lot of nasty people, a lot of shitty people, a lot of druggies, uh, there's murderers, robbers, a lot of drunks is is an understatement over there. I want to say like 75, 80 percent of the people are drunks. I'm talking you open the store at 637 in the morning. they are waiting there already in the morning for you and they stay with you till midnight. To close at midnight. And the only reason they go home is because you close. And I know that because I used to stay open. Sometimes when money was good. And they'd still be there out there drinking. Drunks, man. And it was a nasty place. Uh, we got along with the people. Because, I, you know, we're, we respect everybody no matter what. And we've been there a long time. So, uh, basically... You know, for the most part, there's a lot of. We didn't have too much of a problem. The people, even as nasty as they were, and they if they knew us in the store, they respected it. There was a lot of stealing, a lot of homeless, a lot of heroin addicts, and we run across a lot of bad people. And I am the nicest, soft, most soft-spoken person in the universe. But when you go over there, man, you turn to a beast turn to the meanest nastiest dude because they will walk all over you and i have dealt with people old ass people old old enough to be a granddaddy that'll steal it put shit in their pants to steal and they haven't showered in years and you got to go in their pants and take that shit you have to throw the Grab them by the shirt and throw them out of the store. Um, People that are old enough to be your mama, old enough to be your daddy, your granddaddy, your grandmama, your auntie, your uncle, all that bull will beg you for a quarter. Beg you for a quarter. Beg you for some kind of tabs. Beg you for a beer. A beer costs a dollar. Okay, some of them will tell you, man, I haven't ate. I need to eat. What are you gonna do? you are all humans. We're in business, but we're all humans. You know, somebody's hungry. You're gonna have to feed them. And it gets crazy over there, man. Uh, I've, at a young age, I've seen guns and with people that are not ever supposed to have guns. I've seen, I've known people that one day were living and the next day died for no reason. I know a guy that had a chain on, a fake chain left the store and they shot him right in front of the store cuz they thought the chain was real going to steal the chain and I uh, left him hit there to die. Uh it's a it's a crazy place. They will drive by, they will rob, they will do a lot of people do anything. But there are great people there too. I have lifelong friends there. And you believe it or not, one of my closest friends, he's the guy, the man was 50 something years old, was uh he he was a murderer. <laughs> he killed somebody. And he, he told the judge They asked him why'd you kill him he said he, was in, he said he was gonna kill me So I killed him first And that's just the mentality over there He's a nice guy But that's just how it is over there And it gets crazy man There's so many stories that I can tell And I'm going to tell in the future I don't want to drag it on too long I could start with Let me see what story uh, I can start with maybe this story It's not that interesting But That'll put it into perspective Of what I had to deal with So There was a point In the store Where I was working by myself Because my dad His heart wasn't doing too well And I had no employees on Sundays So Sundays when church got out It would be Hell over there Because it's so many people Walking in the store and I had a problem with a guy because he wanted he wanted something on tab, and I told him no because he was trying to take advantage and telling always making stories and all this. I knew him because he came in one day crying, saying he just got out of jail. His son put him in jail. He hasn't ate in two, three days. Blah, blah, blah. So I gave him a chicken patty and a and a rich soda, a cheap soda. Motherfucker came back in with the same story Asking for a beer I told him get the fuck out of the store So he got mad Came back in an hour later During rush hour With a machete as long as my leg Popped the door open Said he's gonna kill all the Arabs So The store is packed Keep in mind You know nobody gives a damn over there As much as they're your friend They're not gonna protect you Because they don't turn on their own uh, so I had to deal with it. I'm lucky my brother was there. So this is how crazy it is, and how used to I am. My br- I my brother went to go handle the situation in the store. My little brother, and you don't want to do that as an older brother, but it's just how crazy it is. And I had to get the line out the store, so I had to keep bringing up customers. And it's so crazy there that a lot of them. Didn't even flinch. And I, we didn't really flinch, to be honest. So my brother kind of confronted him while he's yielding this machete. To, my brother does MMA, so he's going to kick the machete out of his hands. But what he did f- first, which was a lot smarter, was he recorded the guy while he was doing this. Uh, trying to charge us. Recorded him. And called called the police. And we got really lucky because in the hood, a lot of times, the police don't show up. But they show my bed uh got cut off again. But so basically they showed up and they got the guy and everything was good. But for that split moment, you know, to a, or to a normal person I'd say that was a really scary moment. I did I didn't let it sink until later on. But during I was just so numb to everything and just knew I had to handle the situation or we had to handle the situation that we handled it and we were able to keep the guy away from us i I, get, I made the story sound so much non-threatening than it actually was that guy ran in with a machete charging at us saying he's going to kill us and we kept him far back enough from us and the customers while i kept operations going everybody come, and my and my brother assessed the situation kept the situation under control and the second this guy heard the, the sirens, basically... I didn't think he would think we would actually call the cops. Because most corner stores and most Arabs don't call the cops. Because we just don't want that rep. Because most of the time, we don't call the cops. But this time, he needed it. It's either that or we're going to kill him. That's the problem. It's kind of the main reason my brother said to call the cops. Because he knew he was probably going to kick him in the head and kill the dude. The dude was in his 50s. So situation was handled and that was like that's like not even an appetizer of some of the things that we go through in that store so with this series of the Tales from the Hood I'm going to tell stories but I just wanted to build a quick explanation of how everything started an overview of what it was so I just wanted everybody to put a picture in it I was, I started at 19, you know, it's in the, it's a corner store in the hood, a very nasty hood, and running, running everything basically as a kid, with um, a nice boy in a really tough place, so that's the best way to explain it, and that's the best way to picture it, so there'll be a lot of stories coming, and I got a lot of things to say about it, so I'm excited to let all you guys in to the story of my life. That's it for now. I hope everybody has uh, a great week. I hope everybody is trying to make some moves. You know, I am still thinking about the competition. That's all I can think about. Still trying to make a better life for myself. And let's have a great week, motherfuckers. Let's make our movement a little bit. Uh, That's it. That's all I got to say. So.